Hare Krishna, Hansi Kalpa, Kribyascha, Kripa Sindhu Bhavacha, Kutitanam, Padanebhyo, Vaishnavibhyo, Namunati. So we're continuing, and we'll end, uh, with uh, chapter 11, excuse me, canto 11, chapter 21. This should, this should take us to the, the end of the, the chapter. We're starting, resuming, after uh, some absence, uh, text number 41. Um, just to review a little bit, since we've had a couple of weeks um, previously, uh, uh, well, the, this section that started with text 35 goes to the end of the chapter is about uh, the exoteric and esoteric features of Vedic sound. And uh, Krishna says that he's pleased by, by uh, this... Uh, uh, what he calls confidential descriptions in text 35. He calls it uh, uh, paroksham. Yeah, that's the word, paroksha. Uh, the things that are a little hard to perceive. Uh, he's freed by these. And then he, uh, there's a discussion about the, the how, how, how the Vedic sound is found in different uh, uh, levels or phases. Uh, and in, in this, when, when the, the sound is given, the, the sound you can hear or that's pronounced with the voice, Vaikari, called Vaikari, the manifest sensory phase having to do with the Vishuddha Chakra is the last. Uh, and, and there's four previous stages. There's the Prana phase, which is called Para, which is in the Adhara Chakra at the base of the spine. In the mental phase, which is called Pashanti, which is in the area of the navel, the Manipura Kachakra, associated with the mind. Uh, the Majjama uh, sound in the heart chakra, Anahata chakra, which is intelligence. And then the Vaikari, the Vishuddhi chakra here in the throat, uh, and there's manifest sound. So the sound, what's audible is only one part of it. So that, that at least is one uh, aspect of the complexity of Vedic sound. And, uh, and then uh, Krishna goes on to say that he's established this Vedic sound vibration in the form of Omkara, uh, which is uh, subtle sa- sound which pervades uh, everything uh, and uh, uh, he uses the word uh, gosh in the form of subtle sound gosha rupa and another word for subtle we discussed is nada uh, and both of them have seemed to refer to kind of uh, unarticulated sound like like a sound of a cloud or uh, n- natural sounds bees buzzing and, and so on like that uh, gosha rupeda in the form of subtle sound uh, and then 
Uh, then uh, 38, 39, and 40 is translated together uh, uh, just as a spider brings forth from its heart uh, we pointed out its aperture. The word muka doesn't have to necessarily be uh, through its mouth. It meant it through its mouth or aperture. Uh, the Supreme Personality of Godhead manifests himself as the reverberating, reverberating primeval vital air, Goshavan Prada. Is that word Gosha again? Uh, compromising all sacred Vedic meters and full of transcendental pleasure. Thus the Lord from the ethereal sky of his heart, Vidayat Akashat, the Akasha is ether, which is a, in the heart of the Lord, creates, Shijati is the word meaning send forth, to, to send forth, the great and limitless Vedic sound by the agency of his mind, which conceives a variegated sound such as sparshas, that is the, the, roughly the consonants. The Vedic sounds, uh, well here sparsha is just sound in general, uh, articulated speech, you can say. And then it branches out in thousands of directions, adorned with the different letters expanded from the syllable om, the consonants, that's sparsha, Vowels, swara, sibilants, ushma, that's sha, sa, sa, ha in, in Sanskrit. Those are all called uh, sibilants. And semi-vowels, yaralava. The Vedas then elaborate, elaborated many verbal varieties expressed in different meters, chandaha, each having four more seri- syllables than the previous one. That ultimately, the Lord again withdraws his manifestation of Vedic sound within himself. So here's the whole development, you know, from the kind of unarticulated, uh, undifferentiated Goshavan Prana and then happening within the universe. And, and you should remember that the, that the uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I was distracted by an unarticulated sound of banging. Uh, any, anyway, yeah, the, 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 the Vedas come first, and then the rest of the universe comes second. So we talked about how there's actually an intrinsic relationship between speech and the things that the speech uh, describes. Um, it's not just an accidental, arbitrary uh, Connection. So now we come to where we are. Okay? Text 41. <laughs> 41 is a list of meters. That is to say, poetic foots. You know, you may remember iambic pentameter and and dactyls and all these, you know, sorts of words for describing poetic uh, meter. So here it says, it's just a list. Gayatri, Ushnig, Anushtucha, Brihati, Pankritir, Evacha, Tristu, Jagat, Yachit, Chando, 
So that's the list. The Vedic meters are Gayatri, Ushnik, Anushtup, Brihati, Pankti, Trishtup, Jagati, Achitanda, Atyasti, Ati Jagati, and Ati Virat. That's the uh, that's that's a list of them. And as we explained before, how they are related to the the uh, previous ones. Uh, so uh, so the 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 kind of unit is a pada, the long a first a long pada. Uh, here you see, uh, like if we look, just look at text 41, if you look in the book, there's two lines, but each line is two padas. So, and when they transliterate it, they break it down into four padas. So that, that's a pada. And the, the meter uh, 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 has padas and then syllables per pada. Right. So it starts with Gayatri, is the first meter, with three padas. Uh, and each of the three has eight syllables. Now, you can tell a syllable simply by counting the vowels, so long as when you see a diphthong like A and uh, U together, that's one, right? Uh, so that's Gayatri. It's three lines, eight uh, uh, syllables to each one. Uh, uh, the, the word is, uh, this syllable is called an akshara. For each pada, eight syllables, and then uh, akshara. No R with the dot underneath it is a vowel. It's a vocalic R. There's even an L with a dot underneath it. It's so rare you don't usually say it. The vowels are A-I-O-L. Those are the vowels. A is short A. A is long A. Anyway, so that R with a dot under is a vowel. So... The, the, what, you, what we're familiar with in the, the Bhagavad Gita is the meter called Anushtup. Uh, a lot of times it's just called Shloka meter. It is the most common one, which has four padas, uh, uh, each one with eight, uh, each pada having eight syllables. And you can sit there and you can count here. If you look at the first line, Gaya. One, two, Ushnik, three, four, Anushtub, five, six, seven, Cha, eight. So it's, it's there. If you count them, you'll see this is in the shloka meter. They don't really care so much like English is stress. You know, here it's just the, 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 this idea that there's got to be so many lines and so many syllables per lines, you know. 
So Gayatri, uh, then Ushnik, again, has three lines, but the last of the three, instead of having eight syllables, has 12. Then Anushtub, four lines, uh, each line with eight. Brihati, four lines, each line with nine. Ankti, four lines, each line with ten. Trishtub uh, uh, is four lines with with eleven. Uh, I think Trishtub is Govindamadi Purusham Dhammaham Bhajam. So, Angani Yasha Shakalendriya Vritti Manti, that's Trishtub. Which is another familiar one that shows up a lot. And then Jagati, four padas of 12 syllables each. And here then they give a few more. Uh, uh, beyond that, uh, uh, after, after Jagati, uh, they list Ati Chando, uh, the little, little crib sheet I have here on Sanskrit meters doesn't, doesn't include these. And these others that are... Uh, Ati has the word ati in front of them. Ati means very. <laughs> ati chando. Uh, ati, uh, ati ashti. Ati jagat uh, uh, virat. Ati jagat virat. You know. So those are the uh, uh, ati jagati and ati virati. These are the ex- extreme meters. Uh, so these are, and uh, they say here in the BBT purport, uh, Vedic sound is called brihati, or most expansive, and it is thus not possible for ordinary living entities to understand all the technical details in this matter. You have to have gone to Harvard uh, or someplace and studied Sanskrit. So anyways, they don't they want to don't want the ordinary people to. Get into that, but anyway, the the the, the list is there uh, 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 of this. This follows strictly from from the, the previous texts, which mention the this expansion of Vedic sound into into the meters. And then uh, we have next text number forty-two. Let's see. It's easier to read from here. Kim vidatte kimas achaste kim anudya vikalpayet ityasya hridayam loke nanyomat vedakaschana. Krishna says, in the entire world, no one but me actually understands the confidential purpose of Vedic knowledge. Thus, people do not know what the Vedas are actually prescribing in the ritualistic injunctions of karma kanda, or what object is actually being indicated in the formulas of worship found in the upasana kanda, or that which is elaborately discussed through various hypotheses in the jnana kanda section of the Vedas. Uh, Kim, what is vidate enjoined? Uh, to enjoin means to set something down as a rule. And that refers to the karma kanda, 
section of the Vedas having to do with ritual. Remember, karma just means activity. And karma really means prescribed activity, and in this case, rituals, Vedic rituals. So that's the, the, the karma kanda. Uh, and then what is kim vidate, kim achaste? Uh, that is what is indicated uh, or pointed out uh, as the object of worship in the upasana kanda. Kanda means a chapter or a division, right? So there's the karma kanda. Now, upasana kanda, the word upasana uh, means worship. I mean, the literal meaning is to sit nearby, to attend on somebody, take care of, and then, you know, some. Uh, so worship uh, it comes to mean worship because you do that to deities as uh, so it means so so the upasana kanda uh, is the, dealing with worship of uh, of the gods of which one may be the supreme lord but upasana kanda in general uh, just talks about worship in general uh, so uh, uh, and people who, some people who are into worship, uh, they follow the Apostle and and they worship many gods. Yeah. But uh, when the Upasana uh, is concerning with Krishna, generally refer to this to the, uh, you know, karma, jnana, and bhakti. Uh, the same division, but bhakti. Uh, and Krishna, of course, in the Bhagavad Gita, points out that if you're worshipping Anya Devata, other gods, you're really worshipping me, but you're doing it in the wrong way. It's avidipurvakam. Uh, it's uh, improper. Uh, uh, so that's worship, the upasana kanda. So they, people generally, they don't know. What, when the ritualistic junctions of karma kanda are there, what is the real point? There's a, something that's a little a paroksha to the whole thing that you don't maybe understand. Or if you do upasana kanda, also you, you know, you're worshipping me, Krishna says, in the wrong way, but gradually you may come to understand. Or then they don't understand that which is uh, uh, in the uh, vikalpayate is, is the... Uh, uh, the um, things that are posited or objected to really vikalpa means a doubt or alternatives uh, raised of the possibility of alternatives the jnanakanda uh, thus itti asya of the Vedic literature the heart the heart of the Vedic literature uh, the world doesn't understand except no one but mutt than me. No. No one knows but me in the world. I'm the only one in the world who really knows what these things are really about. Uh, Banu Swami gives a slightly different translation following uh, Sridhar Swami's commentary. He says, Vishnu Chakravati Thakur's commentary, he says his translation it is difficult to know the actual swarup or nature of the Vedas. That has 
just been explained. Um, just a second, I, I, maybe I copied the wrong thing. Let me go and switch over. I think. Mm-hmm. I've seen they've lost uh... Oh yeah, here we go, sorry Okay, now it came up I've got a lot of text here on my screens and sometimes Yeah, excuse me. Uh, uh, here's here's the the, the translation uh, from Banaswami. What do the Vedas instruct as action? What is the final meaning of the Vedas? Uh, what uh, alternatives do the Vedas raise? No one except me or my dear devotee, he puts that in there, knows the intended meaning of the Vedas. So you can object. So, so no one but me or my dear devotee. So here's, this is Sridhar Swami's commentary. It is difficult to know the actual swarup or nature of the Vedas. That has just been explained. The meaning is also difficult to understand. So see, you, you kind of have two ideas of what's hard to understand. One, the swarup the actual nature of the Vedas, because these different sounds, uh, Vedic sound e- exists on these different levels and different chakras. And by the way, the chakras are not the just chakras in our human bodies, but in Brahma's body. Uh, so, the, that, so that way, the swarup, one's own form or nature. And then, now the meaning. So there's two things, the form of the Vedic sound and the meaning of Vedic sound. The meaning is also difficult to understand. Uh, uh, what is to be done by following the Vedas? Uh, what do the Vedas order the jiva to do for his benefit? What is the meaning of the Vedas? Or what is meant by indicating various alternatives? Should I do this or this or that? Hard to understand. Uh, this is in the Mahabharata, the famous uh, statement of Maharaj used here, Shrita the scriptures exist and different are divided. You know? And if you look at the, 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 orth- the, the so-called orthodox Vedic schools, those people who accept the authority of the Vedas, they go off in different directions. You have a non-theistic or atheistic Sankhya, you have Mayavad, you have Yoga, you have... All of them, uh, all of them, accept the authority of the Vedas. Outside the fold, the Buddhists and the Jains are called Nastika uh, because they don't accept the Vedic authority. But among those that do, they're spread all over the place. That's what you're dealing with. So, uh, 
Now, after saying this statement, should I do this or this or this, then there's a next statement in, in, in Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's purport, which is in quotation marks. This isn't him. This is his opponent or the person he's going to refute. Oh, the meaning is clear. The shrutas indicate karma by seeing such statements like one should worship the sandhyas daily. The sandhyas meaning uh, the three sandhyas, three sandhya, uh, where you chant Gayatri at, at, at the beginning of day, at midday, and in the evening at sunset. Uh, uh, the meaning, one should worship the sandhyas daily by karma, one goes to Pitriloka. So this is what should be done. Uh, the shrutis indicate dharma as the meaning in statements like chodana lakshano dharmaha. Dharma is characterized by injunctions of the Vedas. This is the meaning of the Vedas. As for alternatives, the idea of what is alternatives, what you know, he's answering these, these questions. What should you do? You do the sanjas. What is a dharma? The injunction of the Vedas. That's what the, it wants you to do for your benefit. And what about the Vedic alternatives? Uh, in the, when it indicates various alternatives? As for alternatives, there are alternative rules in Dharma, such as performing sacrifice by offering either rice or barley. <laughs> or there are alternatives like bhakti, nishkama, karma, and jnana stated one after the other. You can choose. Take your pick. You want to follow the bhakti path? Okay. You want to follow the nishkama karma path? Okay. You want to follow all the same. All paths lead to the same place. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, and then he says, Vishnu Chakravarti says, Oh, fools, this is not so. <laughs> not so, <laughs> fools. No one knows the intention, the hridayam, of the Vedas except me. No one except a person dear to me can know the meaning intended by me. Uh, so this is what Krishna, uh, uh, that's his commentary on it. And uh, uh, here in, uh, the VBT says, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the Absolute Truth, Lord Sri Krishna. Since the Lord is the source, maintainer, and ultimate goal of Vedic knowledge, he is Vedavit. Uh, Krishna said Vedavit Vedantakrit Devacham the Bhagavad Gita he is Vedavit he is the knower of the Vedas it's so amazing actually when you, by, what one thing you appreciate by reading this canto is how things that are very uh, very how, how should I say in a very detailed uh, and deep way explored are then just announced in a few words in the Bhagavad Gita uh, this is this is on a a very uh, detailed philosophical level, but if you read, the, if you accept the Bhagavad Gita, no problem, you've got it. So he is Vedavit, the only true knower of Vedic knowledge. So-called philosophers, either Vedic scholars or ordinary men, may give their sectarian opinions, but it is the Lord himself who knows the confidential purpose of the Vedas. Uh, uh, the Lord is the only actual shelter and lovable object for all living entities. As he states in the 10th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, 
And now he quotes 10.41, Yad yad vibhutimat sattvam shimad urjitam evava tat tat evatshagatscha tvam mam tejom sambhavam. Know that all beautiful, glorious, and mighty creations spring from but a spark of my splendor. Uh, uh. So anyway, I'll, sk- I'll skip a little of this. All Vedic formulas are understood to be preliminary stages leading to the perfect stage of Krishna consciousness. That's the way it's been clarified by us, by Lord Chaitanya and the six Goswamis and the other Vaishnava, previous Vaishnava Acharyas and so on. The pure devotee of the Lord represents him within the world and never speaks anything which is not authorized by the Lord. Because they are repeating the Lord's own words, they are to be understood as the true knower of the Vedas. So that's the... uh, uh, Now, finally we come to the the uh, last verse of this chapter, text 43, which has uh, three lines or six padas. Mam vidatte vidatte mam. Mam vidatte vidatte. Yeah. It's mam vidatte abidatte mam. That little posture means I'm missing A because of when it comes together with the previous word. Vikal this is a very beautiful verse, actually. It's quite, quite beautifully written. And it's a very, uh, it really uh, it ends the chapter with, with, a, with a quite, a, quite a flourish. Uh, so the running translation we have here, I am the ritualistic sacrifice enjoined in the Vedas, and I am the worshipable deity. It is I who am presented as various philosophical hypotheses, and it is I alone who am then refuted by philosophical analysis. This is an interesting part. <laughs> I am refuted by philosophical analysis. Uh, there'll be some explanation to do for, for this one. The transcendental sound vibration thus establishes me as the essential meaning of all Vedic knowledge. The Vedas, elaborately analyzing all material duality as nothing but my illusory potency, ultimately completely negates this duality and achieve their own satisfaction. And this is like a, a, a verse you can take as the kind of key for understanding the Vedas, the hermeneutical uh, 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 key here. Uh, so, mam vidate, uh, vidate is enjoined. So, I am what's enjoined in the sacrifices. That's me. Uh-huh. And then... Uh, Abhidatte mam, uh, and I am uh, the object of worship. Vikalpya, uh, 
Uh, Vikalpya is that same word, Vikalpa, uh, uh, alternative, right? Presented as an alternative aposic, uh, uh, hypothesis, apoyate, and fruited, refuted. Apohanam uh, cha. Uh, Pohanam's in the Bhagavad Gita. Uh, from me comes uh, comes shush, pushing away, you know. Apohanam. Apoyate. So I am also refuted. Uh, uh, by by this philosophical, I am it is I who am present in various philosophical hypotheses, and I alone who have been refuted by philosophical analysis. Um, Etadvan sarvaveda arta. Thus, sarvaveda arta. I am the meaning of all the Vedas. All the Vedas are just a searching after me. By all the Vedas I am to be known. It's all in the Bhagavad Gita already. Uh, 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 And this is established by Shabda. The transcendental sound vibration, Astaya Mam establishes me, uh, and uh, uh, then Bidam Maya Matram, and duality uh, is Maya Matram, nothing but illusion. Uh, I mean that we include that. We don't. He said they say here material duality in the world, word for word. Yeah, the thing not because nothing is different from Krishna. That's a fact. Yet Krishna is different from everything. This is how Prabhupada uh, kind of encapsulates the Chinchideda Veda Tattva. Nothing is different from Krishna. Yet Krishna is different from everything. Or in another place, Prabhupada says, there's nothing but Sri Krishna. Yet nothing is Sri Krishna save and except his own primeval personality. Uh, so when you, uh, ultimately, when you uh, 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 is if you if you see this this material duality, seeing something separate from Krishna, that's what's uh, negated. That duality vision of duality, and then prosedity, one becomes the Vedas become become satisfied. Uh, Banu Swami. Uh, 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 translates this following Sridhar Swami. We'll get a little detail. He says, the Vedas indicate bhakti as the action and indicate me as the meaning. I am the meaning of all the Vedas. I, as karma and jnana, am proposed and rejected as alternatives. Uh, The Vedas, taking shelter of me, proposing karma and jnana and then rejecting them as maya, become happy by giving the devotees bliss. So that's 
that's is proposed that and then rejected. They're actually not exactly rejected because this 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 progression. If you look at it, karma, jnana, and bhakti, uh, uh, nothing gets left behind uh, because it, it, it's it's a classical uh, philosophical dialectical progression. There's karma. And if you take karma action to enjoy in this world, then uh, when you get disgusted with that and you refute it, uh, then you go to jnana. Uh, and you, you focus on salvation. You turn away from the world. From the platform of jnana, the world doesn't exist. It's really not there. I mean, the, the real meaning of Shankaracharya, I mean, People have soft-pedaled this point quite a bit uh, in the Mayavadi circle, but the world is not there. There's only one thing, and that is Brahman. Uh, and, and so uh, uh, you reject it. You reject that. You reject karma, and then you assert jnana. There's only the Brahma Jyoti. And then that's rejected, because that's also separate from Krishna. It's <laughs> saying something separate from Krishna again. And then finally, in bhakti, karma returns uh, in the sense that now you do action for the service of Krishna. So it's lifted up. The, the, the word used in German is aufheben. It's, it's, it's lifted up and transformed into, into uh, something, a special kind of karma. Karma that's not karma. But it's work. You act in the world. You don't reject the world. But also what's in jnana... Uh, you don't enjoy it either. So, so this is bhakti as the fulfillment. So it actually karma and jnana in their true sense are included in bhakti through this first of synthesis, antithesis, and then, uh, excuse me, uh, the thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis. So bhakti synthesizes karma and jnana and introduces you to, to transcend, transcendent variegatedness where, where the world comes back, but as part, of, part and parcel of Krishna. It's not really the world that a devotee sees, that the vision of Krishna is not the same world that the materialist standing right next to him sees. It's very different, actually. It's strikingly different. So this, this is the, this is the uh, full fulfillment uh, of the Vedas and, and Bhakti. Uh, here's what... Uh, so, uh, Sridhar Swami says... So he, he is, in the previous purport, he's rejected the other guy. Nobody knows the Vedas except me. Uh, and, uh, and Krishna says... And then Sridhar Swami begins his commentary, please, tell me the answer. <laughs> and he answered, yes, certainly I will. <laughs> he says, the Vedas prescribe me. Bhakti is not different from my Swarup. Thus the meaning is the Vedas establish that bhakti to me is necessary. The final goal of sacrifice and other actions, because that's, that's karma. Karma means sacrificial actions. It's one of the meanings of karma, you know. If you look at all the, the, the elements of a sacrifice, one of them is karma. And dharma is the rules and karma is the actions, the prescribed actions, you know. Uh, the final goal of sacrifices and other actions is to produce bhakti from me. I have said, dharma mad bhakti krit 
Tokyo. This is in the uh, 19th chapter, 27. Actual religious principles are stated to be those that lead one to my devotional service. So he's already said it. That's real religious principles. I am the meaning of all the Vedas. I am president. I am presented as an alternative, and as refuted as an alternative. For <laughs> what's refuted is not Krishna, but his existence is an alternative. And then he quotes from the last chapter uh, 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 of this this canto, uh, verse six, because I desire that human beings may achieve perfection. I have presented three methods, the path of jnana, the path of karma, and the path of bhakti. Besides these three, there is no means of elevation. He continues, in the three khandas, karma, jnana, and bhakti, uh, are presented as alternatives. First I say, do karma. Then I say, practice jnana. Then I say, perform bhakti. They are presented and rejected. First, sakama karma, that is to say karma with material desires, sakama, karma is material, so sakama karma is rejected in favor of nishkama karma, activities where you reject, where you're not attached to the fruits of the work. This is called nishkama karma. Then when one rises to jnana, nishkama karma is rejected. When jnana is perfected, Jnana should be rejected in order to attain me. Jnanam cha mai sanyaset. This is 11.19.1. But no scripture ever says that bhakti should be rejected at any time. The present verse says, I am rejected. That little sort of shocking thing there. This means that because karma and jnana are rejected, I am rejected. So that some, something, some form of me is there. The Lord identifies himself as those processes of karma and jnana. I am proposing, I am proposed as karma and jnana and rejected as karma and jnana because these processes are also means of attaining him. The Lord has his spiritual and material forms. The material forms are rejected here. The interlocutor says, please explain this more clearly and kindly, he says. The Vedas take shelter of me by recommending the process of bhakti, saying that other processes such as karma and jnana are only maya, since karma is in the three gunas. And jnana, it is, right? Karma, the three, three modes of nature. And jnana, composed of vidya, is in sattvagun, until realizing atma. So jnana is sattva-guna. Until you realize yourself. One, on finally rejecting the two processes, the Vedas become joyful. And the joyful is they've rejected karma and jnana and reached their fulfillment in bhakti. Uh, and in a sense, they're not rejected because they're uh, sublated up in up, they, the karma and jnana. Both are transformed to become actually part of bhakti as uh, attendance on, on, on devotion. The Vedas give joy to the devotees through, through rasa, flowing from the fruit of sweet creeper of bhakti, 
beyond the material gunas in the form of realization of my sweetness, thus the Vedas themselves become happy. So that's his commentary. Then he gives an alternative. Some other people will skip that. But I do want to point out uh, there's a long purport here also from the uh, uh, Bhaktivedanta edition of the Bhagavatam, the Servants of Prabhupada. Uh, the Lord declared in the previous verse that he alone knows the ultimate purpose of the Vedas, and now the Lord reveals that he alone is the ultimate basis and purpose of Vedic knowledge. By all the Vedas, I am to be known, right? There it is. You know it already. But just in case you want to you know, get a deeper foundation, here it is. The Karma Kanda section of the Vedas prescribe ritualistic sacrifice for promotion to heaven. Such sacrifices are the Lord himself. Similarly, the Upasana Kanda section of the Vedas describes different demigods as objects of ritualistic worship, and these deities are not different from the Lord himself being expansions of the Lord's body. Didn't mention that already. In the Jnanakanda section of the Vedas, different philosophical methods of analysis are presented and refuted. Such knowledge which analyzes the potency of the Supreme Lord is not different from him. Ultimately, Lord Krishna is everything because everything is part and parcel of the Lord's multipotencies. Although the Vedic literature entices those absorbed in material duality to begin the Vedic way of life by offering them materially desirable rewards, the Vedas eventually refute all material duality by bringing one to the stage of God consciousness where there is nothing different from the Supreme Personality, from the Supreme Lord. Uh, And then they basically repeat things that Sridhar Swami has said uh, with some detailed examples. So that's the, that's the, 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 the explanation of this. So that's the, that's the conclusion of the, the chapter. Uh, we don't have time to review this chapter, uh, but it's, uh, it's taken us through a, 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 a long, uh, um, uh, series of steps. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, no, one more thing I want to do before we go over. There, I found in uh, Bhakti Siddhanta makes a commentary too uh, 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 on this. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's, um, he, he, he is uh, commenting on the Chaitanya Bhagavad, the Majjhima Khan uh, first chapter, text 255. And the translation of that text, I am explaining to you about the worship of Krishna, which is the purport of the beginning, middle, and end of all Vedic literature. So you see why this, this comes up, right? And uh, there's a... Uh, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta quotes various other places, but then he, he quotes these... Uh, 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 42 and 43 together. Uh, uh, also, 
And here's a tra- another translation of these verses, which uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is a translation of Bhakti Siddhanta's uh, uh, Bengali uh, translation. Uh, in the entire world, uh, uh, the no one but me actually understands the confidential purpose of Vedic knowledge. Thus, people do not know what the Vedas are actually prescribing in the ritualistic injunctions of Karmakanda, or what object is actually being indicated in the formulas of worship found in the Upasana Kanda, or what is elaborately discussed through various hypotheses in the Jnana Kanda section of the Vedas. That's the the previous verse. It is I who am presented as various... No, excuse me. I am the ritualistic sacrifices enjoined by the Vedas, and I am the worshipful deity. It is I who am presented as various philosophical hypotheses, and it is I alone who am then refuted by philosophical analysis. The transcendental sound vibration thus establishes me as the essential meaning of all Vedic knowledge. The Vedas, uh, elaborately analyzing all material duality as nothing, but my illusory potency ultimately completely negate this duality and achieve their own satisfaction. And then he quotes the Harivamsha. Throughout the Vedas, the Ramayana, the Puranas, and the Mahabharata, from beginning to end, only the glories of the Supreme Lord Hari are sung. Okay. Let's, so that so then then we have by the way we have we have a break uh, next uh, we won't won't have a class next Sunday but then we'll pick up again with chapter twenty two which is called enumeration of the elements of material creation a fascinating topic <laughs> go ahead and now we go to questions and answers here. Okay, I'm going to put this, uh, this, uh, wait a second. Uh, I've got to switch this over. No, I don't. I just have to put, turn on the speaker just a second. So anybody who calls in can be heard by the studio audience and uh, also hopefully the people on Ustream and the Ustream people can, can uh, text in any questions they have, which will then be presented orally, orally. Okay. Do you have a studio audience question? Yes. Yeah, I was intrigued by the part, and I was about that the monotheistic faiths, we'll stick with those, like Judaism, uh, Christianity, Catholicism, you say that, and, and Islam. We have, uh, we talk about worshiping Christian in like an imperfect way. Mm-hmm. A lot of people come into Christian consciousness are from those traditions. Yeah. So in the transition phase there, if you're still going to your synagogue, still going to your church, still going to your mosque, you know, you're kind of working on your karma as you're chanting and associating and eating prasad mm-hmm. and things like that. How does that all work, though? You, can, you, can you still do all that stuff in those monotheistic phases? Question one. And question two, how does, how does Allah, Yahweh, and God the Father fit into Krishna? You know, yeah. Are they sure. Krishna in a different disguise or something? Yeah, they're ba- basically, basically, 
Prabhupada accepted uh, the the what, what's called uh, the Abrahamic faiths, uh, the monotheistic uh, faiths, uh, as as Vedic. Uh, he didn't. He is, or at least as Dharma. Let's put it that way. It's Dharma. That if, if, the, if the meaning is you you surrender to God, uh, Islam uh, basically means submission or surrender. Uh, that's Krishna consciousness. You surrender to God. Uh, uh, when Jesus says uh, uh, to, to, to one man, uh, you know. Um, uh, let the dead bury their dead and come with me. He's, you know, teaching Krishna consciousness. It's very clear that there's Krishna consciousness there. And if you look in those traditions, you'll find uh, certain spiritually advanced people who come pretty close to, to many aspects of, uh, of Krishna consciousness. They're theistic, and there's one. There's God who is one, and you whole idea is to. Love that Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all, all, all your soul, and so on. That's that's accepted. And uh, uh, if if um, many many of Shraddha was just telling uh, telling me the other day, she happened to go to a Catholic service, and she was amazed at the amount of, of Krishna consciousness that was in that in in the, in the Catholic Mass. And I suspect that many people, including some of the priests, were not aware of that that was in there. Uh, I had the experience when, when I was a new devotee and going on Sankirtan, I would come back with pockets full of pamphlets from Christians who suggested that I was being misled by demons. And, uh, and, uh, and, that God, and they told me and their pamphlets said, that God uh, is so, the devil is so clever that he can appear like an angel of light and deceive even the most, you know, alert person. And I got paranoid because I, you know, at a certain, certain points of, of my life, I was subjected to uh, a kind of uh, uh, heavy-duty Protestant well, fundamentalism close to it, you know, uh, with, 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 a, with a lot to do with demons deceiving you and all these other kind of things and leading you astray. So I got paranoid. And I thought, well, you know what I'll do? I'll sit down and I'll reread the Gospels. Here I was a devotee in the temple, you know, I, but I'll, I'll reread the Gospels and I'll see, you know, what happens. If, if, if it turns out I, you know, reject Krishna Khan, okay, but I'll just read the Gospels again. I hadn't read them in years, actually. So I sat down and I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the opposite happened. For the first time in my life, I think I understood them. <laughs> that was my experience. I was so amazed. And it actually increased my faith in Krishna consciousness. Because I could see that Jesus was actually preaching bhakti. And unfortunately, he had many, many disciples or the one who really didn't get it. Uh, quite a way, and, and somehow because of Krishna consciousness, it had made it possible for me to understand it much better than I had ever understood it before. And, and uh, so there's there's no harm uh, actually in, in 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 these things of of uh, attending uh, those kind of uh, services if you uh, you know yeah.
And as you sometimes you have you have to deal with it. The fact that you may have some lingering things put into your mind by by early uh, exposure to religion that uh, may may give you doubts about Krishna consciousness. The thing is not to like just shove them aside and not pay attention to them because they're doubts. The thing is to deal with them and and resolve them. And one one way to do that may be like I did, sit down and read the Gospels again. Go to a church service, and and you you can see that at least the people who wrote the liturgy really knew more than the people who are doing it in the 21st century. <laughs> it's like a, almost like a fossilized faith that's 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 being carried out without without uh, very few people actually understanding it. But anyway, that's my uh, take on that one. Anything else?
parthenogenesis or <laughs> some way he manages to give birth to uh, uh, Brahma, who, who uh, then uh, uh, brings out of himself. He, he's, he's the kind of fetus that, that comes out on this, this, this lotus flower. Uh, and, then, uh, and, and then he's impregnated with the Vedas, Veda Garbha. He is impregnated with the Vedas. Uh, and then, but there's a third form of super soul after, after the, 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 the localized Vaikuntha planet, Shirodakshayim is the planet of milk uh, ocean, where that's the super soul who's manifest in the individual hearts of every living entity. Uh, uh, so, so, uh, uh, as far, so as far as I know, uh, the, this Haranya Garba super soul is, is Krishna conceived as uh, as the, the second of the Purusha avatars lying on the Garbhodakshayi uh, uh, ocean, and so uh, and then uh, how that vision, you know, that seeing an aspect of that, basically what the universal form is displayed is as though you're able to see uh, the vast expense of, of time, past, present, and future, and space in one time and one space, which was sh- shown to Arjuna for that purpose. And of course, who's showing it is basically Krishna, who's the, the root of all of them, all of them. And Gail has a question in the phone. Okay. Okay. Hi, yeah. Krishna. Hi, Krishna. Um, I think I probably heard a statement that you made out of context, so I didn't really understand it. <clears throat> when you were saying that um, that the material world doesn't really exist, you, you were speaking from the text, I think. The material world doesn't really exist and the and Brahman doesn't really exist under you know, what's the context for that? Do you remember so what I said is the material world conceived as separate from Krishna. Oh yeah. Okay. Is an illusion. Uh-huh. It's not that there's nothing there. Right. Uh when when you when you when you see a mirage, there's something there. Mm-hmm. But you see it wrongly. Mm-hmm. So the, the material world as something that's autonomous, that comes from nothing, that has no basis, no support, apratishta, uh, uh, what's that statement in the Bhagavad Gita, that they, who the demons say that the world is without foundation, without a controller, anishwara, that's the modern view. That world does not exist. The world is actually... Sarvam. Uh, it's all pervaded and, and maintained by the Lord. And if you see the world the way it really is, without the veil of the three modes of nature, you will see there's nothing but Krishna. So that's the world in, uh, as it actually is. Mm-hmm. So to see the world as separate from Krishna. Similarly, the Mayavadis see the Brahma Jyoti, but they can't see Krishna. So again, they imagine it's something that's autonomous and separate from Krishna. 
With the Isha Upanishad, you say, you know, please remove that covering so I can see your face. Uh, so, so that's the, the so there's an illusory Brahma Jyoti. That uh, that's the only thing that exists, and I, even I don't exist as a perceiver. Ultimately, I, I disappear into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One other thing, um, you know, right before you ended the class, you know, you you just you had just remembered that there was something else that you wanted to share with us. You know, it was right before the Q and A session. So, what was the main point that you were trying to convey there? You remember? Uh, hold, hold on a second. Somebody is trying to. Okay. Anyway, I won't. Uh, I'll, I'll deal with it later. Decline incoming call. Okay. Thank you. I don't remember. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you you were so eager to share. Oh, I, I just, I, I, yeah. I, I just wanted to mention Bhakti Siddhanta's commentary, which I then explained part of it. But he, another place that he 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 he, he quotes this verse uh, as part of the purport to the uh, Majalila uh, Majakanda of of, uh, of uh, the Chaitanya Bhagavat, where uh, I am explaining to you about the worship of Krishna, which is the purport of the beginning, middle, and end of all Vedic literatures. Uh, and so. That's, that's what I think I was referring to, because like, I did it. I, 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 I discussed this. Uh, did the, it said that the, the Gita was the... It's like the Gita was the purport of the, of the beginning, middle, and end of the Vedic literature. No. Uh, this this verse I'm reading is yeah. is uh, spoken in the Africa. I don't think it's I don't think it's Lord Chaitanya who speaks it. I don't, I don't remember now. But uh, it, it, it's in, in the much it's in the Chaitanya Bhagavat. I'm explaining to you about the worship of Krishna, which is the purport of the beginning, middle, and end of all Vedic literatures. Okay. Uh, and then. Bhakti Siddhanta also quotes Bhagavad Gita 1515, yeah. where Krishna says, uh, I am I am situated in the heart of everyone. Mata smritya jnanam apohanam cha and mata from me comes remembrance knowledge and forgetfulness by all vedas to sarva ahameva vejo by all the vedas I am to be known Prabhupada other place translates it as uh, all the vedas are just searching after me vedanta krit I compiled the vedanta uh, Veda Vit, I know the Vedas. Uh, these are this, this is fifteen fifteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. He also quotes, by the way, Shonaka Rishi talking in the twelfth canto of Bhagavatam twelve thirteen one, unto that personality whom Brahma, Varuna, Indra, 
Rudra and the Maruts, praise by chanting transcendental hymns and reciting the Vedas with all their corollaries, uh, Padakramas and Upanishads, to whom the chanters of the Samaveda always sing, whom the perfected yogis see within their minds after fixing themselves in trance and absorbing themselves within him, whose limits can never be found by any demigod or demon unto that supreme personality of Godhead, I offer my humble obeisances. This is a shonaka uh, to, to the, uh, uh, excuse me, to the, the Sutta Goswami speaking to the sages headed by Shonaka. Uh, it's a beautiful verse. Uh, 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 so, so again, indicating that really Krishna is the purport of uh, all various aspects of the Vedas and who is worshipped by all the devas, who is the deva-deva, and so on. Okay? Thank you very much, my brother. You're welcome. Nabushma has some questions. Yeah. The first is, there is nothing but Krishna. He is everything, the ingredient, the ability, the result, everything. This point is repeatedly made. So what precisely is our agency as Jivatma? We obviously have some agency, but what is that exactly? Is, is it the act of surrender, in effect to say yes to Krishna's suggestion? Is that our agency and the rest, the application, service, the results, and all that is Krishna's agency? This, ah, okay. is, this is a very subtle reality. Could you elucidate as far as I can understand it, our agency is really to turn toward Krishna or away from Krishna. Uh, if we, uh, and then from me comes remembrance, that is to say, remembering Krishna. This is one of the way Prabhupada understands it. Matasmitir Gyanama Pohanamcha in 1515. So I am, uh, from me comes memory and Jnana, knowledge of Krishna, and a poetam forgetfulness of Krishna. If we want to forget Krishna, how are we able to do that? We decide we want to forget Krishna and then Krishna makes us stupid. He gives us the bewilderment uh, to, to make us forget. Otherwise, we, if, uh, Prabhupada says, you cannot forget Krishna without Krishna's mercy. In other words, he, he's, the one that, it's not, uh, he's the one that does. When you want to remember Krishna, he gives you all facilities to remember. When you want to forget Krishna, he gives you facility to forget. When uh, the, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson, the, the, the 19th century wise man in America, he, he wrote a poem based on his reading of the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna is saying, when they me fly, I am the wings. So that when they fly away from me, I am give them the wings based on, on this uh, so we can't even turn away from Krishna without Krishna's... Now, it's not Calvinism, where it's actually God who makes you, from the beginning, either going toward him or against it, and you have no agency. That is my understanding of what, strictly speaking, Calvinism says. You're, you're born into this world already saved or already damned, and nothing you can do can change it. Uh, that, that's a strict, heartless logic... <laughs> Describing all power to God, but we have minute independence, what Prabhupada calls minute independence. So there's a little area 
in which you can make a, 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 a free choice. And the, the, there may be some other free choices, I don't know, on a detail, like a dog. Whether it, uh, to, to pass urine, it must lift the hind leg, uh, it's a male dog anyway, and, and eject urine on some object. Uh, and whether his little freedom is that he can do it either on the telephone pole or on the fire hydrant, that may be. I don't know. But, but otherwise, the, the freedom is, is limited. But the significant thing that every living entity has, because once the dog has chosen to turn away from Krishna, he's now in a body where he's safely amoral. I mean, there are no rules. If you want to be completely... Uh, free from all conscience, take an animal body, and then you can do all kinds of things with no remorse. You can be a female praying, praying mantis and in the act of, of mating with the male, eat the male from the head down. You can do that, and it's great because that's what you do. You have a license, you know, you don't, don't feel bad about it at all. <laughs> If you want to do the equivalent in human society, and I suspect there's a few people that combine sex and cannibalism uh, in certain places, uh, 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 then, then you know you, you would you would feel bad about it. Or if you want to forget Krishna, that that he covers you, uh, and, and so that's that's my understanding of this question. I'm sorry about the examples. <laughs> You get distracted by thinking of praying mantises. <laughs> he also asked, does the Gaudiya Vaishnava also have the four arms deity and the Paramatma within his heart, even though our Ishtadevata is Sri Chaitanya or Radha Krishna? When you're advanced, then it's Krishna. I thought that is explained that. You, you don't see a Vishnu form, you see Krishna in the heart. You actually see Krishna's pastimes, Prabhupada says, comparing it to kind of transcendental television. You see Krishna's Vrindavan Leela as it is going on as we speak currently, uh, broadcast in the heart. That's what he says. It's in the third canto somewhere in Bhagavatam. Okay. Okay, so uh, week after next, we will begin with, uh, we will start chapter 22, the elements of material creation. This chapter has, whoa, it actually goes on for a little while, 61, 61 verses. Yeah, who has another question? Yeah. Gail, yeah, go ahead. Hi, Gail. Krishna, I'm sorry, but I just had to follow up on, on the last thing you said about <laughs> <laughs> about that, that pure, when you are advanced and you see Krishna, you know, mm-hmm. that advanced person, I mean, we, we all know that um, the Vishnu form is, is Krishna's expansion. And so mm-hmm. I've always wondered what, you know, how does the Vishnu form come into play with, with the advanced devotee, aside from the, just the, the knowledge that he is Krishna's expansion? Does he actually, I mean, what's his perception with regard to Vishnu form? 
Um, my understanding is that that uh, it can vary from time to time. Uh, if, if, if especially if an advanced devotee is in contact with Krishna, he may also, uh, according to circumstances and desire, see the form of Nusringa Dev or Vamana Dev or or, or uh, uh, some Vishnu form uh, and so on. Yeah, I, I don't. I uh, can't explain any more than that. But but uh, to when you know Krishna, you also know Krishna's all of all of his forms. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there may be circumstances where, where these these other things, other other uh, aspects of Krishna are, are manifest. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, thank you. And they're all very attractive, by the way. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Okay. Then chapter 23, after the next one, is the Song of the Avanti Brahmana, a very, fairly famous chapter here. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll go through uh, chapter 22 next, enumeration of the elements of material creation. Okay, so we'll call it uh, a class. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai.